We are starting a new uh, series today. Um, this is going to be five different parts. Uh, Dusty's going to preach uh, one of the sermons here in a week or two. And uh, it's a topic I believe that we need to look into. Um, do you have the slide? Okay. The series is going to be entitled Unwholesome Talk. And we're taking this series from Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 29. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. We just came out of a sermon series, Underground. And uh, one for Easter sermon. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So Paul, the apostle, is telling the church in Ephesus to not let unwholesome talk come out of their mouth. So today I want to talk about what is unwholesome talk. And I looked up um, this verse in uh, Bible.org, it's a, a study tool, it's a website you can go to, and they've got study tools for all different kinds of things and topics, and uh, sometimes they go book by book. So this is from Bible.org, and it's a study on Ephesians. And it says, try as we may, we have all erred with our tongues. James 3.2 says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. While we never, never achieve perfect control over our tongues, I'm convinced that if husbands and wives consistently apply Ephesians 4.29, we would rarely see divorce. If parents practice this verse towards their children, we would see few children from Christian homes re rebel against their parents. And if we applied it towards one another in the church, we would see very few churches split over personality conflicts or minor doctrinal issues. In short, turn down the monitors altogether. Ephesians 4.29 is a verse that would bring radical change in all of our relationships if we would apply it to let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. So, 
the word unwholesome in the Greek, and when you're studying the Bible, you need to understand that as Jesus and the Apostle Paul and all the authors of the books of the Bible, as they were walking throughout the earth, they wasn't speaking in English. Many of them spoke in Greek and Aramaic, and that's how they wrote the books down in its original writing. So the books of the Bible that we have, if you go back to the original manuscripts, they will be written in Greek and in Aramaic. Old Testament books were written mostly in Hebrew. So the word for unwholesome talk in the New Testament here in Ephesians chapter 4 now, I'm not even going to try to pretend that I can speak in Greek. I can barely talk in English. But the word is spelled S-A-P-R-O, sapros. And it actually means, that original root word in the Greek actually means rotten, corrupted by one another, and it's no longer fit for use, a word that is worn out. It's of poor quality bad, unfit for use, or worthless. So when we're saying the word unwholesome, we're talking about rotted words. So if you like rotted things, like some people do, Leslie likes eating sauerkraut, that's rotted. Some people like pickled corn, that's rotted. Some people like pickles, those are rotten too. I don't like rotted things. It'd be to me, as people just sit around and enjoying that and just, you know, just big smile on their face, eating a big bowl of rotted stuff. I'm like, how can you do that? It'd be like taking an old rotten apple that's full of worms and taking a big bite of it. That's the way it makes me feel. And that's the urge I get when I see those things. So just to know, kind of in the midst of things, if I'm a weirdo and the odd man out, how many like sauerkraut? Raise your hand, wave your hand real big. You're all weirdos. Anybody got like pickled corn? Do they have any pickled corn fans in? Oh, there we go, a bunch of weirdos. I just can't imagine that, of thinking that is good, but to each his own, I suppose. So in thinking about this message series and unwholesome talk that the Apostle Paul is trying to tell the church at Ephesus, and as I said a few weeks ago, you can go back and study about uh, Ephesians that we took our previous sermon series from. The whole armor of God, the unarmed series. You got to go read the book of Acts chapter 19 and, verse tw and chapter 20 where Paul is setting up and establishing a church in Ephesus, a new city, and he's planting a church there. And if you read through that story, you'll see that as he approaches, that he finds people, and they've already believed and heard about and understood the teaching of John the Baptist. And they repented of their sins, and they were baptized uh, according to the gospel that John was preaching. But Paul goes on to tell them that there was one who was coming, that the... Uh, John the Revel or John spoke about whose shoes he wasn't worthy to unlatch. 
And we know the story in the New Testament, in the Gospels, as Jesus approaches John, John says, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus says, you must, because it has to be fulfilled. And if God has called us to do something, we have no option but do what he says to do. But as the Apostle Paul begins to tell them, many believed, it says, and he begins to plant this church and he goes in the synagogue and he begins to describe the things that Jesus had appeared to him on the road to Damascus and, and the things that Jesus had told him how to operate, how to live, and how to be a Christian. And many there did not believe. They could not believe the words of truth that the Apostle Paul was preaching. So as we read this verse in Ephesians chapter 4, this is years later as Paul is writing a letter back to the church, explaining to the church that don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Is anybody guilty of saying the wrong thing? Have you ever said words that you wish you could have taken back? Hurtful words, painful words, words of bitterness, of dispute. God has called us to live beyond that and above that. And James says we would be a perfect man if we could tame the tongue because he, James describes it as a rudder on the back of the ship that it directs the ship in a way and manner. If you've ever been on a boat and you've seen that, the rudder, that you can just point that in whatever direction you want to go and the boat will steer according to which way just one little bitty thing in the water aims the ship. And James is describing that to tell us that the way we speak points us in the direction that we will go. And that's why the Apostle Paul is telling us that unwholesome words are not words that are fitting for a Christian to speak. So I want to tell you this story to kind of like paint a picture for this. Christian lady wanted a parrot that could talk. She looked in several shops before finding one. The owner told her, however, that the parrot had been previously owned by a bartender. Though he could say anything, he also, on occasion, would use profanity. She told him she would buy him anyway and teach him to say good things. Everything went well for about a month. He learned to say, the parrot learned to say, praise the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord. And a number of other Christian words and phrases. One day she forgot to feed him, and when she came into the house, she heard him cussing. She grabbed him up and said, I'll teach you to talk that way so that you'll never do it again. And she put him in a deep freeze and shut the door. A few minutes later, she took him out and asked, have you learned your lesson? The bird shivered and replied, yes, ma'am. She asked him, are you going to talk that way anymore? The parrot replied, no, ma'am. About seven months went by and not a bit of bad language. Apparently the bird was cured of his rascally habits. Then one day she forgot to feed him and water him or change his cage. When she returned home that day, he was carrying on worse than ever. 
She grabbed him and put him back in the freezer, but forgot him for some time. He was almost frozen to death when she thought of him. She put him in his cage to thaw out. Finally, he began to move and talk. She asked him again, did you learn your lesson? Yes, ma'am, he retorted. Then he sat there quietly for a few more minutes, shivering, and said, can I ask you a question? She said, yes. The parrot said, I thought I knew all the bad words that there was. But just what did the turkey in there say? It's turkey season. How many got your turkey? Anybody get a turkey? Wave your hand real big if you killed your turkey. There's a few here. Bubba's got one. Uh-oh, we got one in the back. We got back here. There we go. We got the butlers over here, turkey killers. Harvesters, sorry, they're not killers, they're harvesters. Same thing, but it sounds better. TJ made a good little video of him carrying out his bird. So can you imagine this parrot carrying on a conversation with a frozen turkey? Happy turkey season. And after becoming a Christian, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will come and reside within us. And he will bring conviction when we sin. How many knows what conviction is? That's different than condemnation. Paul says in Romans that there is no, no condemnation for those that believe. So Christians aren't condemned, they're convicted. Everybody say, thank God for conviction. I encourage us today to ask God through the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. Not condemn us, but convict us. Because those little nudges that the Holy Spirit gives us allows us to know that it's wrong according to God's Word. We need conviction. Christians need conviction. So Paul is encouraging these Christians in Ephesus through this writing to live a life of conviction that unworthy words unwholesome words are words that we need not speak are, need, are words that we need not use as Christians. And I'm not talking about being judgmental one towards another, but allow the Holy Spirit to reside within us and give us the words not to say because Christians are pretty good usually about not cussing, but not cussing is not the same as not cursing. How many know some mean Christians? Christians, oh, they're pointing at each other. Woo. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring on that kind of condemnation in the room. <laughs> the song a minute ago talked about joy and how that I believe as Christians we need to be full of the joy that gives us our strength, that we would be encouragers, that we would be those that would strengthen, that would build up to 
speak words of wisdom and words of guidance and words of knowledge to those that are in need of them. Because as we share those with others, there will be a point in our life where that I need somebody to speak to me to say that speak words of wisdom and encouragement and strength and knowledge and revelation back to me. So as Christians, we need to be speaking kindly one to another. Paul often says, greet each other with a holy kiss. It talks about how that when he went to meet with those from churches that they would fall upon him and hug him and encourage him. I'm grateful to see when people walk into the church that as I stand out in the hallway, I'll see people come in and people are hugging each other and encouraging each other and lifting each other up. That's the kind of church we need to be. The world we're living in is a negative world that is in need of a positive gospel. Unwholesome words tear down. Wholesome words will build up. It takes a skilled craftsman to build something. But you can hire anybody in a demo crew. We need to be careful and choose our words wisely. So in asking what are these unwholesome words that Paul is talking about? We might not cuss as Christians, but we may curse. And Paul is trying to right the wrong the church of Ephesus was living out. So Paul effectively answers this question of what is unwholesome talk in further verses. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, outcry, and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. What if you took your trash down to the garbage bin and dug through it and got the filthiest, dirtiest, nastiest stuff back out of it, useless, and said, I'm just going to keep this and take it back with me? If you did that week after week after week, your house would look like my garage. Because everything Leslie throws away, I go and dig through her junk pile and I bring it back in my garage because I want to keep it. Is there any hoarders in the room? There's some hoarders around. I might use that someday. So Paul is telling them there to leave the junk in the junk. To leave the bad where it belongs. And I'm not saying that we won't slip up and won't have bad occasions throughout our life as a Christian because if we're only going to allow perfect people in our church, none of us would be in here today. Look to your neighbor and say, you're not perfect, but God's working on you. Amen. The Holy Spirit is our convictor. He's our guide. He's our truth teller that allows us to know when we're right from wrong. And it doesn't take a lot for us to understand that because the minute you say a word, a bitter word, a curse word, or a word that spreads disunity or different things, 
We immediately know and are convicted by it because the Holy Spirit lets us know that was wrong and you can feel it. Because when you feel it, you're like, I wish I would have never said that. I'm sure you that the parrot was hoping through those seven months he would never use bad words again. But the first second that he wasn't fed, he reverted right back to who he was before. We as Christians have to be extremely careful because our old human nature, the Apostle Paul says, continually tries to rise every morning. Paul says, I crucify this flesh. I put to death this flesh, my human nature. He said, I die daily. Every morning I wake up, we need to pray a prayer that says, let this humanity fall off of me so that I can live in a a creation, a a Christianity, a a place of of positivity where that we speak encouraging words to others and not tear down. Some people are just positive by nature. But everybody has a bad day. Ephesians 5.4, Paul says, Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or crude joking, which are out of character, but rather speak with thanksgiving. Then he goes on in Ephesians 5.6 and says this, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. So when the Holy Spirit convicts us of what we say wrong, how are we going to make that right? How do you turn something that was intended that the enemy was using you to hurt somebody, how can you turn around that around for the good? Probably the two hardest words for humans to say. Let's practice it. I'm sorry. Well, about three or four of you practiced with me. Now the rest of you can join in too. I know it's really hard to say, and these are words that you're not used to saying, but everybody just say it with me right now. I'm sorry. And you may even need to tell it to your neighbor, Brittany, Andrea. (laughs) They're pointing at each other again. I'm sorry. I love it that they're best of best friends. And I love it that they join up and pick on Dusty. Happy birthday, Dusty, yesterday. For every action, there's an opposite reaction. We understand that in physics, right? That there is an opposite reaction for things we do. So when we speak ill words or bad words or mean words or curse words, in return we shall receive what we give. And the way to offset that is to say, I'm sorry, is to maybe write a letter asking for forgiveness. And this is not easy. And sometimes things we say and people say, well, I'm going to tell them because it's the truth. And I'm going to let the truth hurt and I'm going to speak it in love. I'm going to tell them the truth in love. 
When in reality, they're saying that, trying to offset what they're really saying is, I'm going to be mean and be mean to somebody. Christians need to be careful of what we speak. Because the people that we're putting down, that we're belittling or being mean towards, is God's creation. And they were made in His image. So when we're speaking ill towards another human being, we're actually speaking ill towards the humanity that God created. They may be in the wrong. They may be doing things wrong. But God is the judge, not me. Come on, somebody. There needs to be more agreeing in the house than that. We are not the judge. God is. Judge not lest you be judged. Matthew chapter 7, right? Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching those people, for with the same judgment that you judge, you shall also be judged. And actually, this very word that we read in the Greek is the words that Jesus is saying there. In that Sermon on the Mount. That how does a good tree produce bad fruit? And a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Our mouths get us in trouble. Unwholesome words gets us in trouble. And there's power in words. The Bible declares that the power of life and death is in the tongue. We are creative beings because what we say matters. And when we think about that, that God began this earth with words. And God said, let there be light. The gospel account of Genesis is where that God created through speaking things in existence. The epistle to Romans Says Paul says that God called things that were not as though they were. He spoke things into existence. Our words matter. We need to choose wisely. God used words to set things in order to create the heavens and the earth and all that is therein. He breathed into the nostrils of a man that he formed out of the ground and life began at that point. Adam and Eve, he created them in his image. But yet in the midst of that garden, there was an enemy of the people that God had created. Oh, Slewfoot, the devil, comes slivering up the side of that tree. The tree that God told them to stay away from. The knowledge of good and evil. Why was they even standing beside of it? Stay away, abstain from that which God tells you to stay away from. When the Holy Spirit irks you and prods you and convicts you about something, stay away from it. Abstain from it. Because as we get too close, you're going to fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. But the same way that God used words to bring about the good that He created, the enemy hanging in that tree speaks to the... To Eve standing there with her husband Adam. And he tells her, God doesn't want you to protect this tree because then you'll be like him. 
Everybody say unwholesome talk. I wonder what would happen if we would begin to read the Bible and look at it in those objective terms, looking at it. As saying, is this wholesome or is this unwholesome? Because there are stories all throughout Scripture that will paint us in a direction and paint a picture for us to be able to see clearly what God intends for us to be. He intended us to live in a Garden of Eden. The enemy of our souls intended for us to be exiled from that place to live in the turmoil that we're facing today. The evil that we face is because of their choice to say, I want to be like God. That's what happened to the enemy. He used words, unwholesome talk, to convince them to do wrong. Look at your neighbor and say, your words matter. The enemy used words to bring about total destruction of humanity. There had never been a thorn. There had never been a thistle. It was a place of perfection. And words messed it up. Because words turn into actions. And the Bible says that we will give account for every word, idle word, that we speak. And every action that we play out. So the question before us today is, do we want to be like God and speak life? Or are we going to continue to walk in the pathway of destruction and talk like the devil? All throughout school, when you're in elementary, I remember this often being said on the playground up at Garrison. Somebody say something mean, rude. We've all done it. We're all guilty. Make fun of somebody, get in a pack and one person being outside the group, and it'll change day by day. Sometimes you're in the pack, and sometimes you're outside the pack. And we think it's better to be in the pack, but actually we would be better off to be outside the pack. And somebody would say something mean, and the other pack would look at us, and they begin to backbite and slander and slur and you look at them and say sticks and stones somebody finish it out we've all heard it right sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me that's a lie from the pit of hell it's a quote that we can all quote but is it true? That is unwholesome talk, in my opinion. Because how many can think back through right now, some, maybe somebody said something to you, and you've held on to it, a grudge. I can't believe they spoke to me that way. I believe, can't believe that I had to endure that. Words hurt. Words matter. And I'm not saying that we are going to, through this sermon series, completely change. We're all like the parrot. 
but we need to do better. And I don't know how many times you need to be put in the freezer. Just don't end up like a turkey. This week I want us to be intentional about something that I'm going to ask you to do as a church and those watching online, those that listen to this week. I'm calling on us as a church to write five encouraging handwritten notes and hand them to somebody this week. One of the little reels that I'm seeing come on my Facebook reel, sometimes when I watch through some of those, it puts you on a channel and you know how it is, you, whatever you watch, you kind of comes back around, you continue to watch the same things in different ways and all that. And one of them is this guy, I don't even know his name or anything about him, I don't pay attention at all other than what the video says. And he, he goes and he has a stranger to write an encouraging word and then he takes it and hands it to another complete stranger. And then he goes back and he videos and watches the reaction of those that he hands it to. Sometimes he even puts money with it. So he'll have encouraging words and I've seen him take encouraging words and put a little bit of money with it and hand it to a homeless person. And it's not his words, but it's encouraging words that somebody else spoke. And we know, all know the random acts of kindness and the things that goes on. And I try to beat people with that game because wherever you go through McDonald's out here and you're in line and you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, I'm going to be nice to the person behind me. 99% of the time, what happens when you buy for the person behind you? They buy for the person behind them. So I've been lately trying to trick them a little. I'll buy for them and the car behind them too. You're not going to beat me at my game. So I was done that a few weeks ago and I was watching and looking in the mirror and I, I love watching and, and seeing how it goes down and, and the person, I'll pay for the one behind me and the boy said, it's already been paid for too. So she pays for the one behind them. Encouraging words need to be something that the world around us how many would like for that to become commonplace? To live in an encouraged world. Not a world that tears down, but a world that builds up. That speaks words of encouragement to those that need it. There are people in this room that are facing obstacles in their life right now. And they're in the midst of a situation where they're uh, going through situations. And all they need is an encouraging word. Somebody to pat them on the back and say, I'll walk with you. I'll be with you. I'll build you up. I'll speak blessings in your life. I encourage you. To stay faithful to God. God is asking us this week. I want you to do five. Teenagers can do this too. I don't blame you. I'd hand him off too if he's acting like that. Poor little feller. That means the sermon's over. According to Leslie. You can play. I see you got your guitar ready. Look at your neighbor and say, I'll try to do five things to encourage the people around me. And a handwritten note goes a long way. My secretary at work, she's one of the world's best at this. She often handwrites notes and puts it in envelopes as she's mailing out a document or something people need. 
And people love her to death because she is such an encouraging person. That's our action step for this week. Do something nice for somebody else. If you'll bow your head, close your eyes. James 1.19 says, Understand this, dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I hope and pray that as we go throughout these next few weeks that the Holy Spirit would just hover over us, that He would dwell within us, that He would convict us of harmful words. That if we would lie and if we would tear down and if we would backbite and if we would bicker and complain and murmur, that he would bring conviction on us. And I hope and pray this story that I read today will continue to live in your mind. Don't talk like a turkey. You'll freeze to death. God, I pray that you would give us words of encouragement so that we may help others. Allow the church, known as the bridge, to be a church that is full of blessing and not cursing. Lord, that we would continue to lift up, that we would speak positively about the situations that we're facing. And God, we would see your goodness and we would have thanksgiving living in us, God. That we would be grateful for all that you have done. That you would keep the enemy from us and his words of bitterness, of dispute, of his disdain for humanity. Jesus, your blood covers us and it covers all of our sins even our harmful words. God, I pray for those words that have come back to thoughts of those people sitting here today during this sermon that they've been thinking about some things that they have said wrong, maybe even this past week, maybe this past weekend, maybe even this morning as they're coming to church. God, I pray that you would forgive them as they ask for forgiveness. Lord, you know we fall short. But yet you love us while we were sinners. Help us to be better and not bitter. Help us to encourage and not tear down. Help those in this room to be examples for the children that they are raising. 
Lord, that they would be able to encourage them, that they would build them up. Lord, that they wouldn't argue, that they wouldn't complain, but God, that they would speak blessings to their children. Help us, oh God, to be like you. Allow your Holy Spirit to convict us of all that we do wrong. In Jesus' name, everyone says, Amen.